In our culture, we learn through stories. But what if the stories we hear don't match the reality of life? What if the stories we hear every day that tell us how to write the narrative of our lives actually lead us to a false narrative? My name is Tim Kroll, and on this podcast, you will hear real stories, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Real people sharing the hard times, the bends in the roads along life's journey. If you're ready to join a community of other real people who are writing the narrative of their lives, then go to narrative.live and join the community. Now let's dive into today's show. All right, welcome back. Man, I, I tell you what, I there are some times when we open up and we talk about stories and we talk about the narratives that we're crafting and I, man, I get excited to hear this. So hopefully those that are listening also get excited because I, I sometimes have this intense feeling that we're going to have something really, really good coming. Uh, Trunis is now on with us. Trunis, thanks for coming in and being able to start to share some of your story. I know that typically our life stories are going to have to be compacted and I'm going to warn everybody, we may go really fast and we may cover a lot of topics. So you might want to buckle up here, maybe have to hit the rewind a couple of different times because I know this is going to be one of the best ones that we've had. Uh, we've had some good ones, but man, I'm, I'm excited about this one. So thank you. Thank you for showing up here. Thank you for having me. Thank you very much for having me, Tim. Yeah, absolutely. So here's here's the first thing. Um, and we always start with this. And I actually kind of like this because it kind of is a little bit of a challenge, not only for me, but for those that have come on is you got 30 seconds. We meet in an elevator. Who is Trunus? Who, who are you? Well, first thing I have to say is I'm a Buffalonian and I'm very proud to be a Buffalonian born and raised there. I do not live there right now, but that's the first thing I always tell everybody. I'm from Buffalo. Whenever I see somebody from <laughs> Buffalo, I'm always like, I, I will seriously, I see a lot of them and I, and I always address myself. Second thing is, is I'm, I'm a father. I'm very proud of all of my children. And I'm also a grandfather and I, I, uh, I am raising one of my grandchildren right now. And that's, and that is the core of me is, is, is my family. That's incredible. Yeah. And I love that. And I, I mean, we could probably talk about, but I lived right outside of Buffalo for a while uh, in Webster, Rochester area. So I'm pretty familiar with that area. In fact, I got stuck on a snowstorm one time in Buffalo. <laughs> Everybody has gotten stuck. <laughs> in a snowstorm. Absolutely. That's where half our population comes from getting stuck. Yeah. <laughs> it's so true. That's so true. All right. So let's go ahead and jump into this. The narrative that you believed when you were growing up that you thought, hey, this is what life was going to be like. And, you know, I, like I said, I, I've done a little bit of research and looked at some of the, the storyline, but I really want to get it from you. What were the things that were most impactful that led you to believe that you were going to act and be this type of an adult. And, and we say this all the time, but sometimes it's an experience. Sometimes it's somebody, an example. Sometimes it's somebody that just looked at you and said, you will live this way. What was that like for you growing up? Well, I was born, uh, my father's name is Trunus. Uh, I'm Trunus Goggins II. My father was an entrepreneur. He owned skating rinks. He owned bars. He owned bowling alleys. He, he owned a whole bunch of different things back in the day. Born and raised in Buffalo, and literally, my father told me that I was going to be the next Trunus. And growing up in Buffalo, I lived in a what would your father do type. I lived in a shadow, hmm. and I don't mean to say it in a, in a bad way. I don't oh feel sorry for me. It's nothing like that. But I, I lived in a way where this is what your life is going to be. It's already been predestined. The funny thing is, is and, and and it did it led to a long period, I would say probably a 10 year period of just 
drifting hmm. because I rebelled against that. I did not want to live like that. I wanted to go out and see. I, I mean, I knew that there were, you know, here I am saying, I just started out saying I'm a proud Buffalonian, but I knew that there was something else out there. I just didn't know what the hell was out there. That was the thing. And as a result, you know, I said, well, I'm going to do this now. I'm going to do that now. I, you know, I'm going to do, you know, I'm just going to, I'm going to do this. Thing is, is I grew up in a, you know, like I said, my dad owned skating rinks and, and bars and, and I lived in a pretty much of a, a party atmosphere. And, you know, even though I rebelled against so many other things about what was going on, the, the fact of the wine, women and song was not something that I rebelled against. As a matter of fact, I embraced that and I paid for it dearly. But like I said, what I thought my life was going to be, I was afraid of it and I actually rejected it. So can you, I, I think a lot of people do this and I don't think that it's a negative thing. Well, it, it turns out to be negative, but I don't think our parents intended to be negative. Our parents look at us and say, I want you to become more than I am. And so they put a lot of pressure. They put a lot mm-hmm. of uh, challenges in our way to be able to become more. But sometimes, like you just said, he said, you're going to be the next. And you were like, I don't want that title. I don't really want to embrace that title. So for those that have that, what was going through your mind originally when he said, you are going to be the next, and yet your mind was saying, no, I don't? Like, how how did you try to balance that other than the, the rebelling aspect of it? Like, what was going on emotionally? How did that impact your self-confidence and your value of who you were? Well, it almost takes away goals. It takes away, it takes away next steps. So where, you know, the average kid, you know, in high school or in middle school, all right, I am going to do the following things. I'm going to finish school. I'm going to start applying to colleges when I'm a sophomore, junior, whatever. And then I'm going to go on and, and, and then I'm going to, to, to do whatever. That wasn't, what I was supposed, that's not what I was there to do. So there was a, a point where I was looking at other kids and my peers, and I was actually kind of jealous that, you know, hey, I'm going to Cornell or I'm going to Ithaca, I'm going to, you know, Michigan, whatever. And then I'm sitting there going, well, I am doing the same thing that I'm going to be doing now. I'm going to go to the same building. I'm going to do the same things. I'm going to do this. Other. And again, like I said, this is not for you to, to, to be honest with you, it was a if someone said, hey, I'm going to give you a very successful business that produced, you know, Rolls Royces, Mercedes Benz, you know, six, seven, and then I'm talking 1980 dollars, you know, six, seven hundred thousand dollar homes. Here's what you're going to have. You know, you know, you would embrace that. But when, you know, you were talking, you know, that you got stuck when you lived, when you lived in Webster, um, that's the same thing that happened. I felt, you know, oh, wow, I'm, this is, this is just it, you know, and I, I see all these other people experiencing other things and I'm not going to experience that. And as a result, I, you know, that's, it, it was a weird feeling. So was that a life in the rebel, the rebel aspect of it? Was it a compromise let me put it this way in the compromise of the aspect that i will stay here but i'm not going to do this so no, i will do no. uh, what, what how did that work out then it wasn't a compromise at all it was like i am not going to stay here i'm going to go out there unplanned i have no idea what's going to happen to me and i'm going to do nothing but do damage to myself that's exactly wow. what it was it was not a compromise at all it was an utter you know a lot of some people rebel just to rebel Mm-hmm. 
You know what I mean? And there is no reason for the rebellion. You're just going to do it. I read a book about the two different revolutions. You know, you had the American Revolution, you had the French Revolution and the American Revolution. OK, we're going to do this. This is our this is our revolution. This is our rebellion. We're And once we do this, we're going to establish this kind of government. We're going to do it this way. And then you had and, and it was in. Yes, a lot of people died. I understand that. But it was a very orderly revolution. And when the revolution was over, that sense of order was eventually established. Then you had the French Revolution. It's like, dude, I hate the queen. I hate the king. I'm going to cut their heads off. And whatever happens, happens. Well, in the very when we talk about rebellion and, and you know, I mean, even to this day, if you look at it, the growth of, of France and the growth of the United States, look at the difference, you know, and I'm not saying, you know, I'm talking about at those times, not, not modern times. And, and if you look at it, that's exactly what happened to me. I did not have my rebellion was not a American rebellion. Like, OK, listen, I'm going to do this. I am going to go and I am going to rebel, but I'm going to start going to college and I'm going to do this. I did go to college, but I was kicked out because literally I had a point zero eight. You know, I joke about it to my students. I'm a college professor now, but I joke about it to my students now because I actually had a point oh eight grade point average. And the reason why I got out of school is because I probably drank over a 0.08, maybe three or four times a night. Okay. So it was, it was an absolute total. I'm going to do whatever I want to do. It's not going to be, there's, there, there's no plan to it and whatever happens, happens. Well, and I love that explanation because I think so often we think of rebellion just as a whole. There's actually a positive aspect of it where we rebel and work towards something, but yet there's that negative aspect, what you just talked about of the rebellion and leave everything to the wind. Like we just have no purpose, no, no focus, no direction. There's nothing there. Um, and it's important to really see that and, and understand that difference. So kind of, as we're looking at that, what, like you said, it was very, I'm going to use the word toxic. It was very toxic. That lifestyle that you were using or doing, what shook you up? What was the shift? What was the change? What kind of woke you up and said, okay, I can't continue to live this way? Uh, it was actually December 24th, 1995. My first wife gave birth to my son, who I, I figured if I'm going to get stuck with it, you are too. And his name is Trunus as well. <laughs> so, and, uh, <laughs> and so, and, and he was born in California. I remember holding him in my arms the first time. So he's, uh, he comes out, they clean him up and, you know, they do all that stuff. And I remember holding him in my arms for the first time. And when I held him, you know, I looked at him, he looked up at me and I looked at him, I'm, you know, and, and I said, oh my gosh, this person is relying on me to feed him. What am I going to do? And that moment was a moment of fear. And it was a moment of, you know what, you're going to have to put it all in one sock, man, you're gonna have to get it together. And it was that moment right there. There obviously had to be additional actions and changes, but that initial impact changed the mindset. What other things did you discover as mm -hmm. you embraced that fear and embraced that aspect of responsibility? couple things I, I number one I had no plan okay I had no plan at all uh, I had no financial plan I had no career plan I had nothing I had a, I had a job I was working but I had no plan in other words where are you going to be you I didn't have a savings plan I didn't have 
anything. So what I had to start doing then is I had to start sitting there and really doing some self-reflection to see who am I? Because I didn't know. I never asked myself who I am, who, who I was. I didn't ask myself what I wanted. I didn't ask myself anything like that. And I didn't know. And then I come to realize, but it's funny because I came to realize at that point that, you know, there is a lot of, there's a lot of entrepreneur in me. But then I realized that I did so many things to destroy myself in so many different ways that I had to get another start. And so I had to do, I had to do things. I mean, I did, I did end up going back. I did, I was living in California. I actually moved to Indiana. I was in the military. I did things to, and, and I'm going to tell you the best thing that ever happened to me in my entire life. It, it actually, I met the first people that I needed to meet and it also stabilized me and it gave me a, a thought process and how to stay focused on goals. And that was when I was in the United States Navy. That was the best thing that ever happened to me. Uh, was when I joined the Navy. Yes, I'm very proud of this country and I'm very glad to have, have served this country. Don't get me wrong. But one of the things that it did was it actually brought about a mission. And, you know, it, it brought about, and I know everybody's, oh, it's so corny. Why do you start your day saying the Sailor's Creed? I don't do that anymore. But I'm just saying, we, you know, you start the day saying, no, I don't even remember it, to be honest with you. I know it's like I am a United States sailor. And then after that, I, I know at the end, it's honor, courage, and commitment. Everything in the middle, I have no idea. But um, but the thing is, is, is we did that every day because we needed to know who we were. And even to this day, I get up and I say, okay, what am I doing? Who am I? What is my mission? And it actually started that process uh, of mission, mission accomplishment, goal accomplishment, purpose, and identity. And, and it, was, it was very much needed at that time. And it's helped. It's helped now. I, I have a, a son now. His name is Nicholas. He is getting ready to join the Navy. And I'm very proud of him. And he, even though it's not that far, he's not that far in. He's 19. or He'll be 19. He is at the point in his life right now where he's trying to find himself. And then he came to me and said, yeah, I think I'm going to join the Navy. And I was I was extremely proud when he said that. And and I'm really looking forward to it. But it were things like it was it was things like that. It was number one is establishing, again, an identity, who I am. You know, you talked about the 30 minute speech before. And that's been the constant is that 30 minutes is the fact that I am a father. I am a very good father, but I lived in a household and I'm not sitting there saying, well, you know, everybody's like, well, when you're a kid, you're going to blame. No, I'm not blaming my mother and father at all. But they didn't stay together. They did not stay together. And, you know, they, they did not. I mean, I would say as far as relationship status is concerned, it was it was not a good one. Mm. And as a result, not only did I, but even other siblings of mine, we experienced very bad relationships. So I will say I'm a very good father, very good grandfather. I will say that I will probably agree with my ex-wives that I am a horrible husband. And, it, and it's not for the fact that I'm out in Gallifanton. It's just that I'm, I'm just not good at it. So, you know, can I, I want to go back to something because I think you brought up a point that is absolutely critical in all of our stories in all of the narratives that we write. And, and I'll ask it to you this way, and then you can expand on however you like. How important is it that we ask ourselves those questions? And you, you started out by saying, I had no plan. I had no idea of where I was going to go. I had no say, I, like you had all of these things I didn't have, I didn't have, I didn't have. But then you kind of transitioned. You said, 
I hadn't asked myself anything. And so therefore, my conclusion is if I didn't ask myself anything, obviously I don't have any plans. So how important are those questions in your life and, and, and in making that transition? You know, you have to love yourself. And and I found this out with my kids. I love my kids. You know, my and I'm going to go back a little bit. My dad, some friends came over to the house one time and it was around Halloween. And they had gone out and they had toilet papered someone's house, someone's house. You know, you throw the toilet paper up and it's all over the place. And my dad's yeah. just laughing up a storm. I mean, he is he is laughing about this thing. And and and, you know, and at the end of it, I'm like, um, I said, Dad, if I did that, because you would you would ground me, you would just you'd get in my, my case. And my father responded with something. He goes, I love you. Because I love you. I have to hold you accountable. And because I love you, I'm holding you accountable. And I do not want you getting in trouble. And that would have got those kids in trouble. If those kids got in trouble, I wouldn't have cared. But if you got in, gotten in trouble, I, it would have been a different story. And so as I grew up, I, I realized that, you know, some of the things that I laughed at with other kids, I would laugh, you know, I wouldn't laugh at if my kids did it. And it goes back to even asking myself questions. When you do not ask yourself questions, you're not holding yourself accountable. And that's the number one thing. If you truly love yourself and if you truly want to be successful and if you truly want to live with purpose and if you want other people, I'm not saying other people to love you. You can't make other people love you, but you can make other people respect you. All right. And understand and recognize your boundaries. And the only way you can do that is if you hold yourself accountable first and you draw those boundaries. And those boundaries are not only for other people outside, those boundaries are for yourself. Yeah. And that's when you, when you don't ask yourself questions. When I say, when I didn't ask myself questions, if I'm not like, for example, if my, I have a, my nine-year-old grandson, my nine-year-old grandson walks outside. The first thing we're going to ask when he walks out that front door is where are you going? Okay. Now, if he's going in the backyard, I'm good with that. If he says, I'm going to cross the street, no, we got to talk. I got to hold you accountable. Okay. And sometimes you have to look at yourself and I tell, uh, I teach inmates and I say, what I need you to do is every single, every, every single morning and every single night, I need you to look in the mirror and I want you to ask yourself, I want you to look yourself right in the eye. And I need you to ask yourself, have you done everything that you're supposed to do? Have you done everything you could do to make your life better on this day, whatever it is. And you have to look yourself in the eye. You have to look yourself in the mirror. The thing is, is, you know what, if you can lie to yourself, if you're not looking at yourself, but once you look yourself dead in the eye, you can't lie because you know what? Somebody, either one part of that reflection or yourself is going to realize that you're lying. Okay. And at that point, then you, you got to fess up and you got to hold yourself accountable. And when I wasn't, what I wasn't doing is I wasn't asking myself questions. I wasn't asking, Hey, where are you going? I was just going, hmm. you know, and I had nothing to hold me accountable. And the, and the number one person, once you get a certain age, the number one person to hold you accountable is definitely yourself. Yeah. And I, I love that, especially because all everything that we talk about is how do we break some of the false narratives that we grew up in? And then how do we craft and how do we create the true narratives as far as the way that we want to leave the legacy, the things that we want to be known for? And I, we have never talked about it on this podcast at all until right now, where it's like you have to ask yourself the questions and the, some of the hard questions of, what you just said. I mean, I, I don't want to go back through it because it was so eloquently put by you, but it, it does. It all starts with those questions. And I love that concept. I love that idea of being able to say, okay, how am I going to one, love myself and then ask myself the hard questions. And then the third thing is, is just make sure that I'm not lying to myself by holding everything accountable. And I, those are just that concept right there 
is almost enough just to be able to help begin the process to shift yourself out of the false narrative into the true narrative, into the way that you want to live your life. And so let's jump into that. Where, what do you do now? What are the principles? What are the values you live by? What are the daily actions? You said that you do some, you ask yourself questions. What are the things that you do now to craft and create the narrative of your life moving forward? Uh, first thing, what I do is I make sure that, and, and, and it's funny that I, I write a list every day of things that I'm going to do. All right. I write a contract for myself every single day. And once I write it down, I have to do it. And if I don't do it, I put a little asterisk by it and it makes me, okay, well, I got to do this tomorrow. I have to do this tomorrow. Everything that I have in life, I, I work out every, I work out five days a week for sure. And then I play hockey and, and things like that. That's my sixth day or seventh or maybe even ninth day because I work, I play hockey as much as I can, but I do, I do workouts and, and I write it down. I write down, okay, how much did I weigh this morning when I started and things like that? Those are things I do. The other thing I do is I, I take a whole person approach to life. You know, I'm talking about what I do for myself, but I always want to make sure that, you know, am I meeting the needs of my family? My my children, I have one that lives in Kentucky. Most of them live in, in Indiana. And then, like I said, my grandson lives here with me in, in North Carolina. I want to be there for them. You know, I want to make sure that I, I am there for them in every single way, shape or form. You know, my father was a phenomenal provider. But one thing that he did not do was, you know, he came from a, the old school type of, I mean, the real old school. I mean, he was born in 34 type of, of you know, being raised. And that makes you 21-ish, somewhere no, in the I'm actually, I, I am very proud of my age. I'm 52. Uh, I'll be 53 in February. And I always tell people I'm very proud because I love going on the ice and playing hockey. And, and I, I know I'm going off on a tangent. One one time I was playing hockey about two years ago, and I told the guy how old I was. I was, I was I'm 50 years old. And the guy goes, wow, my dad's not even 50. I said, you are getting hit before the end of the day. <laughs> you know, cause I told him how long I played. He's like, oh, my gosh, my dad hasn't even been live that long. I said, okay, that's fine. But anyway, going back, but I, I mean, I want to make sure that I, I'm there for my children. I want to make sure that I'm there for people. Uh, I want to make sure that I'm, I'm contributing. You know, we're not here. I mean, I'm talking about age. You know, if I'm looking at it, I mean, I've got what? And I'm not trying to sound morbid. I have 30 years left. You know, I want to leave a good mark. Uh, I want to leave something behind where people are, you know, they're, you know, they said, well, I learned this from this man who's now long gone. And those are the those are the things I do to to make sure that, you know, like I said, and, and again, that, that's part of the story of your life. Mm -hmm. that, that's what you want to leave behind. That's part of that story. Absolutely. So I don't think that it's off track. I don't think that it's something that's that's too far off of the, the main trail aspect of it. But um, having purpose, asking yourself the questions and writing the contract, I mean, I think. Some of those that I listen to, some of the people that I've talked to, sometimes they look at that and they're like, Dude, there's no way. What what would be maybe the first steps? What would be the the beginning of that path? In other words, I know that there's people listening that say, well, dude, I'm not going to write a contract for myself every day. That's too much for me to think about. That's way too deep for me to even go down. What would be some of the first things that you started out to do to be able to begin this path of where you're at, where you're working out every day of the week, basically, and you're still playing hockey? Because some people are looking like, look, I've already messed up. I'm now 40, 45. I already messed up this far. Mm -hmm. What are the next steps? What, what's one little thing? What's something that they can take? One little thing is like, okay, so let's go back to somebody who's 40 years old and says, I've already messed up. What can I do now? The thing is, is you, you have now, 
which is something that is a good, you know, where do you, okay, so you have now, we're planning that you're going to have the future. All right. Now the future could be 10 years, could be, could be 50 years, could be whatever. But what you need to do is you need to say, where do I see myself? And I know this is a, you know, you hear this in, in job interviews all the time, you know, where do you see yourself in five years? And I, I really do think that people need to say, you know, if you think you've messed up and you're tired of living in your messed up, then what are you going to do? You know, are you going to sit there and accept the messed up or you're not? Well, if you decide that you're not going to accept the messed up, you need to sit there and say, okay, what did I do that got me messed up? And I have to stop doing that. All right. That's what you're, I'm going to to stop doing that now. So if you're trying to make a, a 180 degree turn, you're going to have to do the direct opposite. And what I mean by contract with myself, I mean, I write lists and I, I hold myself to those lists. And that's what I mean. I don't sit there and say, and whereas, and this, that, and the other, and, and, and here to, you know, Trunus Goggins here to refer to as guy, you know, but no, I don't do anything <laughs> like that. But what I do is I do, I write these things down. I, I, I look at it. You know, the best thing to, for someone to do is if you, you need to take pictures, you need to have a, a collage. You need to sit there and, and, and put things up. Like, for example, there's a couple things I'll sit there and I'm watching TV. There's a couple things I'll sit and I'll, and as I'm watching TV, I'm a Buffalo Sabres fan and they are awful right now. So it's not much different than a Michigan Detroit lion. Cause that's where we're at. So exactly. <laughs> You know, so as 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 I have the game on, I have the game on just because I'm loyal to them, but I'm usually not watching. And so I'm scrolling through my my phone and there's a couple things that I look at. There's two things that I want. All right. I want a brand new Nissan Z. OK. And if Nissan's listening, I hope you uh, sponsor Mr. Kroll's podcast and, and you can sponsor mine as well. But I do. I want a brand new Nissan Z. And then I want a 45 foot Hatteras boat. Those are two things I want. And what I do is I look at those. I look at, I, I scroll through, I look, I, I sit there and say, this is the one I'm going to get. This is what I'm going to do. And as I'm sitting there thinking about it, I, I do know that, that I'm, one day I'm going to get them. Why? Because not only am I just looking at it and dreaming, but I put that in front of me like, okay, when am I going to be able to get that? Okay. And, and how am I going to take the steps to do it? So the, the things that I'm doing right now is to be able to get those two items, I'm not asking for a lot. You know, but that new Z is $60,000, right? But I want it, all right? And I'm going to get it. Why? Because when I was a kid, going back to when I was a kid, I had a Nissan 200SX and I really wanted the 300ZX, but insurance and cost is not going to help me on that. So I had to settle for the Walmart version of, of the Z and, and I was happy about it. So now I really do want that. And so I scroll through those things and it's almost like, okay, I am giving myself a promise. All right. So when am I going to get this car? When am I going to get this boat? And and those are things that I do. So when I say write contracts with yourself, it's like, where do you see yourself? You know, as far as houses, as far as, you know, as far as like uh, I'm building a studio downstairs in my, in my basement right now. You know, you're looking at it right now. You right. Know, I know anyone, no one can see it, but but this is the start of the studio. This is not the final studio. This is just the beginning. This is just the stages. And again, like I said, this is not the final, this is not the final plan, but this is the start of the plan. This is a step. And if you don't want to be wherever you are, so I'm sitting there talking about people who are messed up, you know, people who are in a bad marriage, you know what? And you're, you're going to have to get uncomfortable. A lot of people are in bad marriages. A lot of people are at bad jobs. And the thing is, is, is they are too comfortable in their badness to get out of it. Well, if you're miserable, 
and you feel like you want to get hit by a Greyhound bus every morning when you get up, you're going to have to get a little bit more miserable in order to be comfortable. And it's like, you know, like even with the studio, this studio, I mean, I have to what I have to go downstairs and I have to fix it. I have to put the floor down. I have to do this stuff. Man, I could be sitting there doing watching TV or doing whatever, but no, I have to go out and do it. You know, I have to reroute this. I have to get, yeah. And that's the thing. And even when you want to get, you know, when you want to move on and you want to get better, you know, you're, you're going to have to say, yeah, I messed up. And you might be mad at yourself because now you have to take an extra step, but you still have to go that way. Yeah. Yeah. I, we're winding down on our time and I, I hear this stuff coming through, but you wrote a book called The Four Ps. Mm-hmm. And part of what you've just said about the planning, can you just give me like a minute or two minutes on just the, the purpose of the book and how that incorporates into things that you're living out? Yes. And the, and the idea from the book, you know, I talked about I teach inmates. Idea of the book is I teach, uh, you know, I, I was teaching these inmates. I was in a class one time. I had 15 people. These people were in, in prison anywhere from five years to 20 years. So you've had, you've had up to 20 years to think about what you're going to do with your life. You had up to 20 years to think about what you want out of life. And so the first thing I asked these, these inmates, I said, what do you want? And it was dead silent, dead silent. They were all looking at each other. I was like, dude, you've had, and I did. I said, you had 20 years to think about this. I looked at this one guy and I said, you don't know. Well, I just want to, you know, I said, you know what? If you don't want, know what you want, when you get out from behind these bars, you're still going to be in prison. Yep. And, and, but the funny thing is, is when we leave and we see people who have never been locked up, I can ask them the same thing. And they're like, I, you know, if I, if I look at somebody and say, what, what is your purpose? Why are you here? Well, I'm just here to, you know, I'm here to feed my family. And, 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 I, and no, it's not that, you know, when you, we're only going to be here for a certain, you know, marked amount of time. You know, when we leave, let's have some fun. Let's do what we wanted to do. Let's do things intentionally. Now, we have to do things intentionally for us. You know, when I was telling you about in the very beginning, when we, when, um, you know, I got rebellious, it was because I didn't have a passion to do what my father did. I admire what my father did as I get older. I'm like, man, that is phenomenal. But I didn't have a passion to do what he did, you know, into this day. I, you'll never see me in a nightclub just because I just, I don't want to go. You know, and and so those are the things that I'm. I, I mean, you have to have a passion. You have to have, and then you have to realize that whatever you want to go through, you're going to have to go through some muck, right. and that's where the persistence comes in. But I don't care what you do if you do not have a plan, you're going to be like that feather in uh, Forrest Gump. You're just going to be floating around, and hopefully you land by yeah. Hopefully you land by the right feet. But if you don't, that's you know that's that's going to be it. So that was the inspiration behind the book. And as a result, I've gone out, I've done some speaking engagements. This is a book that if you are an entrepreneur, get the book. If you are somebody who is going through a life change, get the book. If you are somebody who's in college, who's like, okay, I'm going to college because I was supposed to go to college and I don't know what I'm going to do next, get the book. And it's going to, it's going to at least, I'm not telling you how to live your life. I'm just telling you how to design your life. This is a, this is actually a book. This is actually a book of design. Well, and that's the reason why I wanted you to say something about it, because it fits so perfect with our mission and our purpose here at Narrative. We want people to be able to write and craft the story of their lives. And oftentimes the question comes back, how, how do I actually get started? How do I, I'm fed up. I'm tired of everything else that's been going on. And this is a great piece of part of that is is making sure that you have a plan to be able to, and you have, it, it, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe it's purpose, plan, persistence, and passion. Am I right? That is right. Mm-hmm. 
Pur- so you find purpose, you have a plan, you are persistent at it, and you're passionate about it. And that's how we craft our narrative. That's how we live the lives that we want to have a legacy that that's going to be able to leave something behind that people remember us by and, and recognize us. So, all right, we're winding it down. What is the one thing that you want somebody to walk away with? All of the good stuff that you had, asking questions and about the four Ps and then all of the different, what is the one thing? What's the one thing you want somebody to take away? When you are doing whatever you're doing in life, make sure you're doing it for you. Mm. If you're not doing it for you, you're going to be miserable. You know, make sure you're doing it for you. I had a, and this is in the book, and and I still want you to buy the book, but I'm going to share one story out of the book, all right? I, I was teaching a class, and it was, an, it was an intro class. You know, it was one of those college orientation classes. And so what I usually do is I try to, you know, get, because I, I know the first day of college is a horrible day. I remember the first day I went to college, I felt like the dumbest person in there, right? And that's fine. But I, I would go around to everybody in the class, and I'd say, what's your major, and why is this your major? So I walked up to this woman and I said, hey, you know, welcome to school. What's your major? And she goes, I'm going to be a nurse. Why do you want to be a nurse? My mom was a nurse. And then I go back to my childhood. I didn't share this with them. I said, why do you want to be a nurse? Well, my grandmother was a nurse. Again, I stopped and I said, again, I'm going to ask you one more time. Why do you want to be a nurse? This lady in the middle of the class, first day, and she came back, thank God, but she came back, but in the middle of the class, she started crying. She goes, I really want to be a teacher. So I asked her three times, you want to be a nurse? Why do you want to be a nurse? Why do you want to be a nurse? And then she finally broke down and said, I want to be a teacher. And then I just told her, I said, then why are you going to nursing school? She actually did change her major. She is a teacher and she's a fantastic teacher. She's a, she's an elementary school teacher. I think I'd rather be a nurse. But anyway, <laughs> she she is a she is a fan, she is a fantastic teacher because she's doing what she wanted to do. And a lot of times when we go out in life, you know, why like for example, I said I want a Nissan Z, all right? You know, I don't know how much money I'm going to make from what I'm doing right now. I really don't. I hope I make a lot and I hope I make wise decisions. But I'm not sitting there saying I want a a Lamborghini. I don't. Why? You know, a Lamborghini means you made it. I don't care. I know I made it. You know, I'm not going to. Sometimes we live to impress other people. And that does take away from our purpose. So what what I want you to do is when you read this book, I want you I don't want you to be selfish but I want you to do it because you want to do it. If you're doing something because other people want you to do it, eventually that passion is gone. And you may be very good at what you do, but if you're doing it for other people, that passion is gone. Or if that other person leaves or is not important to you anymore, now you're way deep. And we're going back that 40-year-old guy you said, is like, man, it's too late for me now. And and that's where I, I want you. Uh, that's what I want people reading my book. And I want everybody, to be honest with you, to avoid yeah. Yeah, that combination of purpose mm-hmm. and passion changes so much. It, it just changes so much. It gives you the persistence. So, all right, how can people get in contact with you? Where can they find you? What's the best way to send you a message, whichever? You can actually get me two ways. You can actually go on the uh, 4Ps podcast website. We have a 4Ps podcast website. You can listen to all the... We'll put a link in the in the notes too. Yes. 
And also, uh, we are now developing. It is still under construction. It will be up next week. It's the TrunusGoggins2.com website. Uh, and that will have book information and other speaking engagements and things like that. Yeah, so we'll definitely have that. It will be live by the time this is being aired. So uh, we'll definitely have that in the notes and you'll be able to go directly there. Uh, it will be available at that point in time. So yeah, we're looking forward to that. Man, Trunus, again, thank you for coming thank on. You. This has been truly, it went a completely different way than I thought it was, which I, I love that. I absolutely love where it goes. And it's, it's so much fun. But I, I want to say this, and I say it every time. For those that are listening if something was said that impacted you, that changed your life, that inspired you to do something more, our heart is whether you follow us, do anything else. The only thing we really, really want is to have you just reply back, send a message and say, hey, this is the change I made. Because that is where we find a lot of the fulfillment. We find a lot of the pieces and the parts of why we go forward. And, and what Trudis was saying is part of the purpose that, that we have is to really have an impact. Uh, and so if something did that, whether you text me, email me, whatever way you end up doing that, I'd love to hear from you. I know Trunus is probably the same way, same heart. So just reach out and let us know that you heard, that you're listening, and that there was some kind of an impact. Uh, so until next time, keep listening. Make sure you do subscribe. I do want you to do that. <laughs> Take a look at Trunus's website. Make sure you guys follow along and uh, keep crafting and writing that story of your life. Thank you. Thanks for listening to today's show. But before you go, let me ask you a question. How would you like to be the author of your story? Take the next step now at www.narrative.live. Enter your details to connect with a community of others just like you that are tired of living under the false narrative. Finding your true story and writing your narrative, it will give you clarity, freedom of your day, and it just might change your life forever.